0: Into every generation, there is a chosen one.
1: Uh, excuse me, two.
0: One girl in all the world. Two, two girls? Who is this guy? She is... This might have been a... Big Miss Steak. Steak? S-T-A-K-E. Like what you kill a vampire with. A Buffy podcast. Hey y'all. Before we get started on this week's episode, we want to take a minute to address the statements made by Ray Fisher, Charisma Carpenter, and the other brave actors and actresses who have spoken about the mistreatment they experienced at the hands of Joss Whedon. If you're not familiar with the details, here's a quick recap Ray Fisher, who plays Cyborg in the DC Cinematic Universe, tweeted in July 2020 that Joss Whedon's treatment of the cast and crew of Justice League was gross, abusive, unprofessional, and completely unacceptable. He also alleged that Joss Whedon, Jeff Johns, and John Berg engaged in racist conversations that led to, among other things, minimizing or completely cutting the roles of actors of color in Justice League. In an interview with Forbes from October 2020, Fisher says that race was just one of the issues. There were massive blowups, threats, coercion, taunting, unsafe work conditions, belittling, and gaslighting like you wouldn't believe. To show her support of Fisher and his allegations— Our very own Charisma Carpenter released a statement on Wednesday detailing her experience working with Whedon, which culminated in Whedon firing her in retaliation for her pregnancy. This inspired several other Buffy cast members to make their own statements or retweets in support of Carpenter and of Fisher, including Sarah Michelle Gellar, Michelle Trachtenberg, Amber Benson, Claire Kramer, and Emma Caulfield. As of the time of this writing, none of the male lead cast members have made similar statements. For what it's worth, Whedon and Warner Brothers deny these allegations. However, the number of people who have corroborated them is pretty damning, including Whedon's ex wife, Kai Cole, who wrote in her 2017 open letter about the onset affairs Whedon had with actresses, co workers, and fans beginning in the Buffy days. We believe Cole, and Fisher, and Carpenter, and everyone else who has come forward. As a lifelong fan of Buffy, I am deeply sad to learn that something so special was born from such a toxic place. Aditi is similarly sad. To think that these strong, capable women were creating magic while Joss Whedon subjected them to this kind of cruelty is heartbreaking. This inhumane treatment should not have been the price they paid to make art. Buffy is more than Joss Whedon. We love it despite him, not because of him. Buffy endures because of a whole cast and crew of wildly talented people who came together and made something brilliant. As corny as it is, this show and these people made a real impact on my life and my development as a person, and it fills me with pride to learn that the women who helped center me through the best and the worst are just as heroic in real life as they are on screen. But, uh, y'all didn't come here for this, so let's just Gracefully segue into our regularly scheduled programming. Hi, everybody! Welcome to a new episode of Big Mistake. It's a Buffy podcast. And I'm Melissa. Hi, y'all. I'm Aditi. And today we are here to talk about season two, episode two of Buffy the Vampire Slayer Some Assembly Required. Ah uh, yes, I just got the name. <laughs> what did you think it was before? I don't think
1: I looked at the name. I just wa- I try not. I try to go in without reading the um summary. I try to go in like tabula rasa.
0: Ah, okay, okay. That is a great reference. I. It's not. Never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the bands at the Bronze. Yeah. So uh, a fun thing is that on the Buffyverse wiki, they actually list a bunch of alternate names. Mm -hmm. They list the title as it aired in a bunch of different languages. Mm. So in Finnish, the title translates to Beyond the Grave, French, The Puzzle, Mm. German, Operation Cordelia. I actually really like that one. Japanese, Revive the Corpse. Polish extended overview. I feel like something is is, uh, culturally... I'm, I'm not getting it.
1: Comedy is very cultural.
0: Yeah. Spanish, someone has been required. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like uh, some assembly required is probably the best one.
1: Unless there is a really great Polish joke that we are just missing.
0: Yeah. Should we travel to Poland for the pod? Ooh. Is this the groundbreaking research that the fans need? Do we have any Polish fans? Podbean will not give us that information. That's true. If you're Polish, please slide into our DMs. Tell us about Poland. Yeah. We have lots of respect for Lech Walesa, so...
1: Yes, yes. Insert various Polish references here.
0: (laughs) Okay, let's do the episode summary. When the body parts of dead girls are discovered missing from their graves, Buffy and her posse discover that the parts are being used to create the perfect woman, with the final touch being Cordelia's head. Meanwhile... Giles finally musters the nerve to ask fellow teacher Miss Callender out on a date, and Angel admits his jealousy over the amount of time Buffy spends with Xander.
1: (laughs) See, that's why I didn't read the summary. It gives up everything.
0: So how did you feel about this this Angel-Xander tension that they seem to be (laughs) (laughs) playing up really hard in this episode?
1: I think if I were a child, or a teen... Or a young adult, I would have been super into it. But now, as a straight-up adult, it's just funny, because it's like, I spend a lot of time trying to justify the age difference, but when Sir Angel, Sir Angelus, says, he can see you in the sunlight, I was like, damn. Xander's got you there, pal. (laughs) I thought it was just like ridiculous. I I like that they tried to create a love triangle, but it's not fair to pit Xander against Angel.
0: I'm with you. Like, trying to pit these two dummies against each other, like, (laughs) whoever wins, we lose. This is an alien versus vampire situation.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you can't have comic v. depressed
0: vampire. I did think Angel was, he had a little more personality this episode <laughs> instead of just <laughs> instead of just lurking and looking. In this episode, he had more dialogue about things that aren't just like life or death business. So we got to see a little bit more of his personality or lack thereof. Banter. Banter. I mean, yeah. technically, yes.
1: Uh, kind of. Sure. Like, when, like we'll, we'll get into it, but like the first scene I thought was cute.
0: Did you think it was cute when Angel started wearing tan jackets instead of leather jackets? Oh my god,
1: I'm so glad we're discussing
0: this. Should we go to Slay or Nay? Yes, this is the most important topic of the whole episode. Let's begin. Slay or Nay.
1: Okay, I am so glad we're discussing this because when I saw it, I wrote, Angel's tan jacket is giving me 2009 Obama tan suit scandal (laughs) vibes. So were you scandalized? I was scandalized. And then I'm sure in season four, I will miss the days of those scandals.
0: (laughs) What shocking behavior. Yeah, by season six, you will definitely miss the tan jacket scandal.
1: (laughs) It was jarring. I don't know what he was doing. Was he trying to present a softer side of him? Was he experimenting fashion wise? I don't know. Either way. I did not care.
0: Here's my theory. You know who we've seen wear a sort of brown color palette very often in the show is Xander. Mm. I think Angel was driven by jealousy to try and adopt (laughs) Xander's terrible style.
1: He was like, I can't be in the sunlight. I can't take chemistry with her. I'll wear tan.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, if you can't go to school and hear her complain or whatever he's sad about i mean like obviously he could hear her thoughts and complaints just not during school hours but that's beside the point i don't know why i'm even arguing for angel well well (laughs) well i've argued myself full circle it's that tan jacket baby maybe it's dudes (gasps) in tan maybe that's my brand (laughs) dudes in tan doing the twist what a twist
1: (laughs) (laughs) i did not care for it but i did enjoy whatever it was trying to do it did not succeed but i enjoyed watching
0: (laughs) okay okay moving on from angel let's go to buffy she had one look that i really loved this episode which was the green spaghetti strap tank with the Mm -hmm. blue patterned pants We all know how I feel about a dramatically patterned pants situation. I thought she looked like a cool peacock.
1: Yeah, once you said it like that, she did have those jewel tones. I liked her hair; it was very '90s with that big clip that girls had that could get like all of your hair. I don't know, and like or like steal a chip bag. Yeah, exactly. It was multi. It was multi <laughs> multi talented, like the modern woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like that color a lot. I like the green tank top. You you alone have an allegiance to a multicolored pattern bottom, but I respect that for you. <laughs> I really liked the first look that she's wearing in the first couple of scenes. It's like the pink skirt with the jacket and platform heels. I thought she looked really cute. It, it was completely not functional for the job she was trying to do, but God bless her.
0: Yeah, it, it was like the opposite of the hair clip in terms of functionality. It was just aesthetics.
1: In the next scene, I liked her purple floppy skirt. The shirt, I couldn't tell if it was crushed velvet or if it was crochet pattern. It had some sort of texture. And I did not
0: like it. Mm, Suspicious. There's a lot of mystery materials in this show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I will say something that has been plaguing me for the past couple of days is I have joined TikTok. And I have recently discovered that everything I do Gen Z children make fun of. (laughs) It's so mean. So, Melissa, did you know the following were out? Side hair partings skinny jeans, using the laughing to cry emoji. What? Yeah. Yes, apparently those are all very indicative of elder millennial be- use and behavior, and therefore the children don't think it's cool.
0: The ch- what emoji do the children use? I don't know. I don't know any young people. I should go
1: ask. Ugh. No, I know young. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to my sources. But now that I'm very, very sensitive about these things... I saw so many side partings and I was like,
0: damn, Gen Z is going to roast the show. I think this show is is like vintage enough that it's cool, okay. maybe? Yeah. Although like clearly I know nothing about the minds of Gen Z because what you have just told me has shaken me to my very core. That makes me feel so old. Some of us don't have the faces to pull off a middle parting, okay? I should have known this was coming because... aditi can speak to how freaked out i was about this during mid 2020 i was very worried that i gave myself tendinitis in both knees from playing just dance but it turned out i was sitting wrong that's how old i am So none of this should come as a surprise to me.
1: Yeah, I was doing yoga yesterday and I was bending my knees and the amount of cracking that I heard was so Like, You know what my biggest fear is? No, not biggest. You know what
0: like a top 17 fear is for me post-COVID? What? Tell me your top 17 fears. Go.
1: Uh, I'll take too long, but I'll give you one of them. One is that we're all going to finally make it to the club and I'm finally going to get to throw my little non-existent booty around to the latest Ariana Grande song or whatever, and then I'm going to try to drop it low. And then my knees are going to crack. I'm
0: so afraid that people are going to hear. They're not going to be able to hear them over the obnoxiously loud club music that I will be screaming at the DJ to turn down to a reasonable <laughs> volume.
1: I'm so afraid that I will be outed of my
0: age by my knees. You know what? You know what should really be the thing that outs you is that you are always shocked when Ariana Grande comes out with a song that is sexual.
1: I just, I guess I'm not paying enough attention. And then I hear her songs and I think, oh, goodness. Good for her.
0: There's, it's just like random artists that you do this to. This has been a running theme. Years ago, Didi was like, am I supposed to listen to Bruno Mars near my mother? so sexual very sexual it is. i didn't know
1: it's it's great you know god bless everyone be free but i just i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't aware i wasn't aware of how sexual bruno
0: mars was what are the kids doing listening to bruno mars what emojis are they sending in response to this filth <laughs> wearing their yeah. baggy pants
1: yeah, their baggy pants and their mid-face partings. It's just too much.
0: How embarrassing for us. I don't want to give up skinny jeans. It took me a long time to convert to skinny jeans and I don't have the energy to convert to whatever what whatever squeeze on the bottom they're doing now. I just, I
1: mean, it's going to come for all of us, right? But I—it it is very amusing to me that we are old enough to finally be mocked by young people.
0: Yeah, love this for us. <laughs>
1: Yeah, shout out, shout out to our knees.
0: I remember being really surprised when the youths were making fun of us for knowing what Harry Potter house we'd be sorted into. Oh, yeah. I mean, what do the kids read these days? Ariana Grande smut lyrics?
1: (laughs) I know. Are we just, are we like, are we really the most embarrassing generation? I don't know. Like, of the young generation. Like, no one gives a shit about Gen X like canon speaking i love gen xers
0: yeah we're watching a whole show about gen
1: xers don't be mad at me gen xers i love gen xers but i mean to say like you know in general they don't have a lot of the media awareness that like millennials and gen zers have
0: i think gen z is probably less embarrassing than us because they have grown up with social media in a way that we haven't so they know how to be publicly savvy in a way that we did not learn yeah
1: yeah I'm really proud of all of y'all who went back recently and deleted those college
0: albums from Facebook. Proud of y'all. Yeah, did I do that? Whatever. <laughs> don't don't look at my Facebook. Don't look at my internet.
1: My Facebook is exclusively for the one time every three years I change my profile picture and all 48 of my aunts tell me I'm pretty. Aw, that's very sweet. It's wholesome. Wholesome. Speaking of wholesome, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is wholesome, but I felt like saying it. What did you feel about Willow's shirt? And you know the one I'm talking about.
0: I do know the one that you're talking about. <laughs> it, it, it haunts me. <laughs> so I have in my notes, sweet baby, what have you done? I, I think she... Looks sort of like if she was going as Frankie from Grace and Frankie for Halloween, maybe. (laughs) Because she had like very wide baggy jeans on the bottom, which I guess is cool. At least for now. At least for now. Yeah, just every color in a gingham pattern. (laughs) Uh, Whose mistake was this? It was Willow and the amazing Technicolor (laughs) Dreamcoat. Honestly, this is the companion to Xander's cursed, vaguely Asian <laughs> symbology shirt. Because, I mean, what was the pattern on it? Did, did it also have vaguely Asian symbols on it? See, so
1: while it, while Xander was giving us vaguely Asian, I was getting vaguely medieval. Like, I was getting quilt tapestry troubadour chic.
0: Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> I don't know man like to think somebody made that shirt somebody bought that shirt someone decided to dress Willow in that shirt and then everyone yeah. on that set saw her in that shirt and was like yeah I mean yeah what if what if they had another shirt but that was the only good take so they just had to keep it this is my canon
1: wow I just feel like like they, they just screw Willow over sometimes man
0: I know I did think she looked very cute in her button-down shirt. If it had a different pattern on it, I would have really liked it. Because she's just, like, very, very petite, so those shirts look very cute on her.
1: That same scene had our girl Cordelia in that fabulous halter dress. Ah, yes. She looked awesome. When does she not look great?
0: She looked like she was on her way to, like, have thought tea with the Queen of England. I really (laughs) support that outfit. Yeah,
1: thoughty tea. Not tea. <laughs> that was good. Can we talk about whatever is happening to Miss Jenny Calendar?
0: Okay. What did you think about? Uh...
1: <laughs> I I really miss when she was an Angel Xander hybrid. I'm not a fan of her looks these days. With one big caveat, that circular belt thing was a coveted accessory that I wished to possess as a young
0: lass. I was. I can't say we're on the same page. With this belt? That's okay. I don't want it now. I'm just
1: saying when I was small, I, I thought it would be pretty fashionable.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I could imagine small Aditi just rocking a sweet yeah. belt like that.
1: Rocking a sweet belt and
0: trying to, you know, thinking I was Shakira. <laughs> that outfit was, was bonkers because she had that giant belt. <laughs> and then she had that huge amulet, which I think was appropriately magical but <laughs> you can't wear something like that with khakis no
1: i miss when she was like a cool techno pagan and right now i don't know what she's doing with her fashion just chaos chaos reigns i do want to discuss eric's pink hawaiian shirt
0: yes go on i loved it
1: i loved it you know you know why why because i thought it was a great plot device cuz at first i was like oh eric he's the uncool one He's subservient to Chris because Eric is clearly less cool and as evidenced by his fashion taste. But then as the show progresses, you're like, oh, Eric is the actual number one baddie.
0: Mm-hmm. Eric is the actual number one baddie. And Chris just dresses like he is a sales associate at Best Buy. But as for the pink Hawaiian shirt, I actually I actually really liked it too. Yeah. I liked it. Just because it's something I would see an old hipster wear. And I really enjoyed that. Like, I can I can see it on a person in our geriatric age bracket. <laughs> With a side hair parting. And just the tightest jeans you've ever seen. <laughs> you can't bend down. <laughs> You'll rip. It's a dangerous game, but someone's got to play it. Also, you can't bend down because your joints won't let you. Yeah, you
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have to stay still the entire time for both the ensemble and your joints. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Buffy has great joint health. That actually stood out to me when she uh when she Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did a nice jumpy kick. Like damn strong knees. No crunching when she bends. No. <laughs> she can move stealthily, which is something that's just not an option for us anymore. <laughs> It's only downhill from here. <laughs> what gave it away? Speaking of being old, should we do Is It Cute? Being old is cute, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. <laughs> are yeah. old people still cute? Are, are, can we? Is that still good to, to be cute?
1: <laughs> is cute cute? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> is it cute?
1: Okay, who do you have for Is It Cute?
0: I have eric i have chris and i have daryl first we'll start with the most controversial eric i mean like obviously he's bad but my opinion is very controversial and it might be (laughs) informed by my aforementioned personal distaste for lin-manuel miranda i think he looks like the darkest timeline lin-manuel miranda so do you think he is cute or not cute not cute I feel like he's going to chop up my body while rapping about George Washington, <laughs> our first body combination president because he stole everybody else's teeth. <laughs> I never thought of
1: him as looking as Lynn Minimal Miranda. I just, I just aesthetically, not, not, not for me. And also... The dislike is very much fueled by personality. Personality is unequivocally
0: not cute. Not cute. He is even hated by the other villains. Why is he part of the team? I guess just because he loves murder. Yeah,
1: I think he I think he's the spirit behind the project. Mm.
0: Chris is the the
1: brains, Daryl's the heart, Eric is the (laughs) nerd. The
0: diseased peen.
1: (laughs) I will say, Chris, I thought Chris, I thought was cute. I liked his accountant chic. Yeah, I, I liked his business casual aura. I like that he came from a place of duty for his brother. You know, family loyalty within certain bounds. Cute. Yes, very cute.
0: Daryl. On paper, I feel like he might be cute. You know, mm-hmm. Chicks dig scars. He's a powerful athlete, beloved by all in one life. But, you know, this is where you call in someone for an interview based on their resume, and they are just not living up to uh, yeah. to their description.
1: It's like when they say they're, you know, expert in Excel, but they don't even know how to pivot table.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's he's got to pivot. He's got to pivot.
1: <laughs> I would say that I agree. I would say on the spectrum of badness, I would have, from least to worst, Chris, Daryl, Eric.
0: I would say so. Chris least bad because he is vocally anti-murder, which, you know, is a good quality. Honestly, great quality in a person. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cute. Very cute. So something they dance around in this episode without really putting a name to it is, like, there is always a lurking threat of sexual violence.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like... The violence that is palpable that the men have towards Willow, towards obviously Cordelia, to Buffy, like, it's menacing. It's not, a, it's not an equal sort of, like, expectation of violence.
0: Right. And I think, you know, they make such a huge deal about how Eric is into weird, gross sex stuff. Like, he's always yeah. making lewd comments about the women in this episode. And Xander mentions that he has just like a... Prodigious amount of porn. Yeah, just like a wild and crazy bonanza porn stash. And there was that one scene where Willow was like, what are they going to do with her? They were all making this reanimated corpse girlfriend to to serve as a partner, specifically as a sexual partner. And like, they're all on board with that aspect of the plan yeah there's
1: there's the there's like all the tacit agreement that this is going to be used for a certain thing and we all know that it's like violent and sexual
0: yeah so yeah like well they try to play chris as like a good guy who just got in too deep i don't know
1: yeah and i think like it's hard to have that conversation because it's never explicit It's always this, like, threat of menace. Mm -hmm. Like, with Eric, there's this explicit perversion, and he's just, like, a gross guy and a gross kid or whatever. But then they're all complicit in making this, like, reanimated human that will ostensibly cater to their desires, and one of their explicit desires is, like, gross sex stuff.
0: Yeah, they didn't make him a friend. They made him a girlfriend, specifically. So...
1: I'm curious to see if the show has more explicit conversations around this because they touch on it, you know, a little bit in the hyena episode, but then they never, ever mention it again. And then this is like a kind of a menacing thing and they never mention it again. I mean, if this is not the show's lane, that's totally fine. But it's interesting to see like, there are these like moments
0: of awareness around that issue. I don't want to give anything away. I will say nothing. That's fair. Yeah, we'll we'll see how this theme unfolds in the future i'm scared (laughs) that was a a fun yet dark is it cute yeah and now a word from our sponsor
1: from the geniuses that brought you rejection won't kill you believe me i've tried and girls are objects volumes one through four chocolate printing press brings you watch not to wear a dating guideline for watchers nerds and the socially dispossessed the definitive guideline for how to animate a watcher's romantic life In this book, you will learn invaluable tricks on how to pick up a woman several rungs hotter and witchier than your social status. Get your nose out of a book, and get your nose into this book. Go to www.whatyouwaitingfor.com backslash bigmistake to get 10% off your copy. Note, this product is not Watcher Council approved.
0: Alright, so this episode begins... The opening shot is of Buffy in her platform shoes and mini skirt yo-yoing and there's already just so much happening. Like, do you remember the yo yo craze of the late nineties? Yes. Did they come to your school?
1: You mean performance artists who performed with yo yo's? Yes.
0: No, I'm devastated this didn't happen to me. No, this happened to me. There was a like a traveling group of bards whose only strength was yo yoing. <laughs> And they came to our school and they did like a yo-yo trick performance in the auditorium. And then afterwards, you could buy yo-yos. I don't know what the point of that was.
1: I remember yo-yos being cool. Like, I feel like there was the yo-yo community and then the hacky sack community. And there was some overlap, but they were distinct.
0: So when the yo-yo craze happened, I was in elementary school and most of us, Did not have the dexterity to succeed (laughs) at hacky sacking. Because you had baby Mm hands. I mean, like now, as an elderly person, I still cannot succeed at hacky sacking. And also, I was never good at yo yoing either, but like yo yo's were very popular in my elementary school. All right, so Angel shows up and he's like, You've been hanging out with Xander. Yeah. And uh, he says, He's just a kid. He is
1: the yeah. same
0: age as yeah. his child I, girlfriend. I, I thought it was
1: one of those moments where I was like, "Hey, buddy, best not to draw attention to that."
0: <laughs> as ridiculous as this plotline is, I really liked that Angel was able to uh, to sort of let himself show some emotion that wasn't sadness. And yes, it was anger, which is like not a great emotion in a boyfriend either. But like, I like that he's switching it up. Yeah, and I think this scene. It's kind of slapstick, like more slapstick than in other episodes because we have Buffy falling into an open grave and during the fight, Angel gets like uppercutted with a shovel and flips over and like, it's very wacky.
1: It was very cute. I thought you must be very happy they got that dust money because the special effects were good.
0: Yeah, this opening scene felt a little bit off to me, but this is the first episode written by a new guy named Ty King, which might account for its incongruousness with the rest of the episodes. And the director is the same director who directed Teacher's Pet and The Pack, and just like all of the ones that have like this theme- Of sexual violence are directed by. Oh my
1: god, you're so right! Yeah,
0: are directed by Bruce Seth Green, not to be confused with Seth Green.
1: Now this makes sense. Yeah. Okay, interesting.
0: It's just very weird to me. (laughs) Bruce Seth Green also directed Nightmares, which is an episode that I really enjoy, and he goes on to direct one of my favorite episodes of the whole show, which takes place this season. So he's very hit or miss. So then we go to school, Giles is doing pickup lines to a chair, and it's very cute. Yeah. Would these, like, mumbly-stumbly pickup lines work for you? I
1: thought it was so cute, I and mean, when they were like, don't use words like amenable or indecorous I was like, excuse me, a man who is literate? <laughs> Let's go.
0: So what's what would be your ideal pickup line, then?
1: It would either have to be, like, incredibly incredibly. Incredibly erudite, just like Beowulf level of intelligence, or himbo.
0: Oh no yeah, words. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I op I operate in dichotomies.
0: This himbo thing that that you're getting into, <laughs> I really like. I want that for you. I do too. I do too. I think you deserve a good himbo.
1: I also want someone who didn't understand Jason. What's his name? Not Derulo. Not Manzukis bruno mars i'd get there i thought his name was (laughs) jason
0: bruno mars is not even white there's no excuse for this
1: (laughs) i know i want someone who's also not aware of bruno mars because they're not paying attention (laughs) you know if baby giles was like hey boo let's be menable together (laughs) i'd be like yeah take me to the british museum (laughs) show me where they keep all the weird
0: shit (laughs) yeah babe let's go out for a beans on toast.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: Let's get some bangers and mash. Let's, uh, let's marmite this. <laughs> let's bubble and squeak. <laughs> what is
1: that? That's like a real dish. It's like a dish where you utilize leftovers and it's cooked in like potatoes and when it gets warm, it like bubbles, which is why the name, it's all, it all sounds very sexual. It sounds like a slap and a tickle, which ah! is a
0: great euphemism for <laughs> sex. The British are disgusting.
1: Dude, the British make, they they make everything gross. Food, <laughs> sex, just like gross. Just
0: terrible awful people
1: yeah like it's just like i feel it's like everything there is like the equivalent of a wet limp handshake (laughs) very indecorous (laughs) sorry sorry to the brits out
0: there sorry to the brits the irish the italians the the poles maybe didn't we say (laughs) anything rude at the beginning no we were very polite polite (laughs) oh boy (laughs) Sorry, Poland. So then Buffy and Xander come in and start to give Giles dating advice. Uh And Xander says that being called an idiot actually turns him on, which is a commentary on what love in his home looks like. And Buffy's response is, I fear you, which is kind of a mean thing to say. So that explains why he likes her and he's never liked Willow, who is not mean that way. Yeah, man. He should be, like, all in for Cordelia because she is the meanest to him.
1: I mean, I do get those vibes, though.
0: Yeah? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I I get those. Oh,
1: yeah. Like, I mean, like later on this episode, Xander saves Cordelia, you know? Yeah,
0: but then he ignores her.
1: But I feel like Cordelia, they play her to be the, you know, if you're mean to her, she likes you more vibe, Mm -hmm. just like he is. So I feel like they're both, like, building off of this, like, mutual misunderstanding.
0: Yeah. I really like that about their... (laughs) They're sparring. I hope they kiss. Ooh. (laughs) And then, this was a stake through my heart. Xander, my emotional core, (laughs) describes Miss Callender as Dalsome for, quote, someone in your age bracket. Yeah,
1: that hurt. Um, She's definitely in her mid-30s.
0: She's close to our age in the show. We are in the same age bracket, so, um, (laughs) Ouch. She's she's a she's partner here on the side if you know what I mean. And then in that same breath, Xander, the man who I have defended through this entire television show, despite how embarrassing and shitty he is, goes on to say <laughs> that being a librarian is embarrassing. Yeah. Are you okay? I'm still recovering. It was a stake. A stake. A stake through my heart. At two, emotional core. <laughs> So then we go to the cafeteria where Willow and Chris are talking and Eric shows up for the first time. While we're here, let's learn some fun facts about Michael Bacall, who is the actor who plays Eric. Darkest Timeline LMM, Eve LMM. (laughs) Oh, that was so good. (laughs) Thank you. You're my most supportive friend. You're doing amazing, sweetie. (laughs) So Michael Bacall as Eric, he went on to write the screenplay for Scott Pilgrim vs. the World with Edgar Wright and Brian Lee O'Malley, who is Irish and also the author of the graphic novel, which is, like, super cool. And he was also in a lot of Tarantino movies, including Death Proof, Inglourious Bastards, and Django Unchained. Dang! Yeah, like, he's he's a successful guy. This creep show launched his career, So he pops out and starts taking pictures, paparazzo style. And Cordelia says, I thought your book nerds didn't come out of hibernation until spring. Like, okay, we get it. Your book wasn't cool. Jeez. This episode was very hurtful to me.
1: I mean, honestly, next they're gonna, like, shit talk the Animorphs or something. Like, it was was very pointed towards you and your interests. I know.
0: Oh my god. If I forgot that they made an Animorphs reference in this show, (laughs) like, I will just... (laughs) (laughs) I will just have to leave this earth. (laughs) Yeah, you guys, I read the the whole Animorphs series in quarantine. The entire series. It's like 64 books. Yeah, she did. But anyway, Eric is just very skeezy, like upchuck from Daria. Very upchuck vibes. Mm -hmm. So Buffy comes up and says, it's the bat signal. And Cordelia hears. And she decides to go with her. On purpose. So, like, she made the choice to be involved in their little Scooby gang misadventures, which I feel like is a major turning point for her. Yes, I thought it was cute. Yeah. So they determine that someone's digging up graves, and then they go to the graveyard.
1: Yeah, I thought that that sexy dance is just really following Buffy around. She cannot cannot (laughs) unring that bell, and I enjoyed watching them just sit there while xander and giles did the manual labor
0: we have already established that giles is fragile because of his age bracket yeah exactly exactly (laughs) they have no respect for his aging bones (laughs) they're going to smash his aging bones with manual labor (laughs) not in the good way no not the way you want your bones smashed (laughs)
1: And so while the four of them are in the graveyard, we have that scene with Cordelia in the parking lot and Angel.
0: Yes. And I feel like something the show does well is that even though there's a lot of fantastical things like grave robbers and body Tetris and like all this other stuff, there's still very relatable fears in there as well, like being in a parking lot alone. And like when there was a creepy guy on the bus, like stuff that we've all experienced. Yeah. In this scene, Cordelia hides in a dumpster, and I just love that Cordelia is always ready to go to such an extreme, because, like, she drove her car into the school, she she just dove straight into a dumpster, which is something that I feel like she wouldn't normally do. Yeah,
1: I just think she's, like, hella committed, and she's focused.
0: Yeah, even with the cheerleading, she is like, I know I was just almost kidnapped, but, like, I'm the apex, so... Yeah. <laughs> so, Angel appears. It's the first time we've seen him in tan. Tan Angel. Mm-hmm. He is no tan France. He is no tan France. Cordelia tries to use her feminine wiles. Yes. We know that this man has no problem dating high school girls.
1: <laughs> I did, I know, I did, I did clock that and I thought, hmm... This Cordelia and Angel pairing is spicing things up.
0: Yeah. What do you think about a potential Cordelia and Angel plot twist? I feel
1: like neither of them are going to get what they want from each other besides both being good looking.
0: That's true. I would say so. My theory is that maybe Cordelia never got over when Buffy took Owen <laughs> from, <laughs> from being like just in her grasp and then Buffy swept him away. So this is a calculated revenge.
1: Dang, can you imagine? She was like, first, I'm gonna buy him a tan jacket.
0: First, I will ruin him aesthetically.
1: It will ruin him, making him less handsome to Buffy and less handsome to himself. And while he's feeling bad about himself, I'll swoop in and be like, hey, "Baby,
0: what's wrong?" I will destroy him aesthetically and emotionally, and make him dependent <laughs> on only me for happiness.
1: What if, what if Cordelia like watched like the pickup artist and was like, "I'm hot, <laughs> but I can take some of these lessons."
0: That's what she does. She just negs people to. To pick up artist them? To do pick up artistry? Yes. Hey, wear this jacket. Oh, you look bad. (laughs) Well, like, I know you were making a joke there, but like, I I felt something. I don't know. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) The technique works, guys. There was a show for a reason. My very first DM, yes, I played Dungeons and Dragons in college. He (laughs) was a contestant on The Pickup Artist because they filmed it in Austin and he was one of he did yeah
1: i just want to clarify dm means dungeon master right
0: yes yes it does nothing weird just just me hanging out with a pickup artist in training (laughs) anyway when when i met him he had just come off the show recently so he still had like the wardrobe that they bought him and dressed in all these outlandish ways he's a really good guy but, like, it sounds like I'm being sarcastic. He is actually a no, very good guy. he is a very nice <laughs> Yes. He is a very nice person who had a very interesting experience on television. Yeah. Yeah. So then we catch a glimpse of Chris's home life, and it's very Requiem for a Dream. His mom is, like, in yeah. front of the TV. And, like, I just gotta say, thank God that Daryl was cool and on the football team. <laughs> Can you imagine if Chris died and his mom had to sit there and smoke cigarettes surrounded by all of his science fair trophies. Like, (laughs) yeah, it was depressing. Very depressing. And this is where we see the reveal that Eric and Chris are working together to create a Franken babe.
1: They are weird sciencing a
0: human woman. Yep. As one does, one just (laughs) assembles a woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Eric was taking those paparazzi photos to assemble a sort of combination blueprint slash grocery list of lady parts <laughs> so then we see giles and miss calendar and giles is trying to ask her out jenny and giles forever five ever i loved it yeah they're cute very cute
1: i will say what watching this episode i was like man chris and eric must be geniuses the show has some preternaturally talented children Like,
0: damn. Based on what we've seen, Sunnydale looks like a great school district. They've got... Yeah. (laughs) It's just, like, unlimited budget. Yeah. So my notes say Evil LMM is really, really excited (laughs) about the idea of murder. He's like a Shadow Giles where they're both excited about new opportunities for otherworldly evil. I knew Eric couldn't be trusted because he had a soul patch. Yeah. A soul patch means you're overcompensating and you have no soul.
1: Oh, good point. Mm -hmm good point
0: did I ever tell you that when I was working at cult job which is another story it was
1: uh, it- <laughs> <laughs> you can't just you got she was working at a cult
0: it was a nutritional supplements company that was very weird but the CEO lead master type person of <laughs> of one of Austin's many fresh juice stores Mr Miscavige dude one day we'll do another pod dedicated just to the weird shit that happened at that company like one time the c-suite baddie of like juice land or (laughs) daily juice or one of those juice places was working with them to cater this summit that they had that was like some sort of half pseudoscience half religion weekend long Mm. retreat thing where they talked about quantum reflex analysis and all types of weird stuff. And the guy came in and he had a soul patch that was carefully sculpted into a triangle like when Bender is evil on Futurama, and he was wearing an amulet that had a stone on it, the exact size and shape. Of the- <laughs> and it was so distracting. I could not focus at all. Anyway, that was not the worst job I've ever had. So, man, did he have the pristine
1: soul patch like Jeremy Soulpatch Simmons from community?
0: No, 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 no. Jeremy Soulpatch Simmons has like a like a brush stroke, like a landing strip down the front of his chin. <laughs> this was a a geometrically perfect equilateral mm, triangle, the platonic ideal. The platonic ideal. Yes.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. From which all lesser goatees have sprung.
0: Man maybe is not good. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I think you're onto something there. I forgot about that guy, that soul patch
1: man. (laughs) Do you think he had his favorite song as soul man, but he would add patch? (laughs) Yes. Like, the intersection of, like, like natural quackery and QAnon and anti-vaxxing and, like, crystal therapy and bizarre disordered eating. It's very weird.
0: Yeah, it it was extremely weird working there. The CEO's wife, her title was chief science officer, and you would think, like, at a nutritional supplements company that would mean she was, like, a nutritionist or something, but that was (laughs) not the case. She Mm. was called chief science officer because (laughs) because she was an expert in, their words, the subtle energy science of Vastu.
1: Yes. Oh, I'm familiar with Vastu. Yes. Yes. Yes.
0: Yes. But it wasn't. So, like, from what I understand, Vastu has, like, rules. And for those who are unfamiliar, it's sort of. It's like in the same family as feng shui. Yeah, it's like Hindu feng shui. Yeah, like the way things are arranged will bring you health or happiness or, or whatever. And they could also hurt you based on their orientation. So her deal was she was an expert in the subtle energy science of Vastu because even though it is an ancient tradition, she figured out all the shit that was wrong with it and managed to fix it. Oh, yeah, that's what we needed. We needed one enterprising white woman to come and fix us. Didn't say she was white, but yes, she was. <laughs> oh, please. Oh, please. <laughs> what else would she be? Purple? With all those supplements? Who the fuck knows? She could be any that's color tr- by now. That's true. So her deal was because she was an expert in the subtle energy science of Vastu, which is how they always <laughs> said it. They never just said Vastu. It was always the subtle energy science of Vastu. Dude. She used to... So my job was to make, like, the labels on the bottles and, like, all of the promotional materials that would get sent out. And her approval process was she would roll into the office anytime between 2 and 6 and... <laughs> I was not allowed to leave until she was finished and I had to be there at 8 a.m. And she would wave her hand over the labels or the promotional materials or whatever and sense the paper's energy. And if it passed, then I did a good job. And because that was the way that everything got approved, literally nobody else could approve anything. And it was a huge bottleneck with her all the time. And she wasn't even consistent with her own rules. That was a weird job. Yeah. You have really, uh... (laughs) You've really seen some shit, man. Yeah. That job, there was, like, a storage closet where when the weirdness was too much, I used to, like, go sit in there and chill. Which... Sounds sad, but it gets sadder. One time, I went in there. (laughs) One time, I went in there to get away from it all, and there was a grown man who was already doing the same thing. Our eyes met, and and I was like, I'll give you 10 more minutes. And he was like, thanks. This was like a storage closet that had... There there were, like, Mardi Gras beads, boxes and boxes of Mardi Gras (laughs) beads, and, like, a a huge, huge sculpture of this, like, crystalline bird. Jesus Christ, dude. They made me put this shit on my phone called Q-Tape to negate its negative energy. And Q-Tape could not be sold in California because it had lead in it and it caused cancer. So... That's fun. Yeah.
1: I remember, because I obviously knew you then, too, but, like, I knew when you were getting into it that you were like, okay, nutrition, like, fake healthy bullshit, but the waving over the ha- the paper for the aura as, like, your quality control is something that, to this day, I will never forget.
0: They also got in trouble because they had coral in a bunch of supplements that were labeled vegan, and then someone brought it to their attention that coral is an animal and so the chief science officer came to me and she was like you know these vegans they're just so sensitive because like coral is it an animal well no not really is it a plant not really i mean like who knows i know many people know it's an animal
1: <laughs> the subtle art. of Of Vastu. Subtle
0: energy science of Vastu. Subtle
1: energy science. I mean, ironically, I was raised in a very, like, not non traditional, but, like, definitely, like, a non ritualistic environment. So, like, my granddad, when he sold their house, his house had a hard time selling because it wasn't as per, like, Vastu specifications because he just, Mm -hmm. like, did not give a shit about that stuff. Yeah. So, it's like, you know, like, anything that people believe, like, if you want to believe it and it helps you, that's great. If you want to have, like, an enormous uh, attachment to how it rules your life that's probably not great but
0: yeah if it makes you feel better like a placebo that's one thing if your video chat software glitches when you're in a meeting and the pattern of the pixelation suggests to you that that person is a lizard person and you don't do business with him anymore maybe that's not the right way to apply the subtle energy science of vastu
1: Is that a thing that happened to you? It is.
0: I mean, it didn't happen to me, but that company did make a decision based on this very occurrence. Is it still in business? Uh, yeah, they're running ads. Wow. The subtle vitamin science
1: of quackery.
0: Oh, another fun thing. They sold this thing called a sedu. S-E-D-U that they sold as a subtle energy detection unit shut the fuck up this is from nathan for you it gets worse (laughs) like so they bought a bunch of toys from toy joy which is a store in austin that sells toys for children like literal children's toys and they got one that was It was like a ping pong ball with two metal conduits on it and you could put your fingers on the metal part and it would complete the circuit and the ball would light up. Mm -hmm. What they did was they just slipped the label out of the packaging and put in their own label and labeled it Subtle Energy Detection Unit and said that it was proof of the body's biofield. I can only hope that after the death of the CEO... Who claimed that he cured his own cancer? The company is run much better. However, they are built on fraud. So
1: they are, and also I would love to know if the chief science officer branched out into any other uh, forms of Asian energy study.
0: I have tried googling her because I'm very curious <laughs> about her life, but she she's not she's not very online. Yeah, it's the energy. Mm-hmm. It's bad energy. Maybe the jokes on us because we should not be on the internet as much because it is bad energy. <laughs> but I mean, they also said if you use the toilet at night that you should not flush it because the water traveling under your house would uh carry the energy away.
1: Okay. I have two questions. Mm-hmm. What why is there a change in energy transference dependent on day and night and what energy is
0: associated with your waste? I don't I I could not tell you. Above my pay grade. Truly, yeah. Truly, this is this is a case for the FBI. Honestly, the
1: story. Although I have, I there, I was there for it. I, I keep, I forget the gravity of it sometimes. Yeah, and the depravity. Yeah. Truly, the
0: strangest place.
1: Honestly, the we should have a podcast just on our various jobs.
0: Yeah, we've uh really experienced some stuff. We've seen some shit, man. We've seen some shit. Anyway. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> back to the less scary thing that we were talking about where someone is assembling a girlfriend out of dead people
1: yes we're back baby we're back baby we finally meet daryl the bro is alive and he has some frankenstein's monster
0: stitches on his face mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he tries to appeal to his brother to kill him a girlfriend by <laughs> by repeating to him a football chant like your audience man he's a science fair boy using a football yeah. chant right now to try and sway him no. is not the best move no <laughs> the scoobies all they've all split up and they're gonna meet back up at the football game and the only one who's not helping is giles because he has to go on a date how the tables have turned
1: well 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 mm. i did think it was very cute though that little scene they had with like all the snacks and Jenny's power belt <laughs> and then they sit down and Willow and Xander pop up and they you know don't take the hint that they should not be there and then just like you know eat the snacks it was very cute
0: i loved it they live to annoy giles <laughs> i know
1: <laughs> and honestly it's so easy i know <laughs> i will say while watching this scene watching the football the footballs happen i immediately thought of the most important line that should win a Golden Globe, an Emmy, an Oscar, a Tony, a BAFTA, all of the awards from Riverdale when young Archie <laughs> Andrews, while in jail for being in an underground boxing ring, asks a young person <laughs> if they've ever known the epic highs and stunning lows of high school
0: football. Truly a shining moment in an otherwise dog shit TV show.
1: I will watch some straight up trash but I could not get through the show. I had to stop.
0: Yeah, the male voice actually really loves Riverdale.
1: I know, we've discussed it. <laughs> we lo- we've discussed it. I love it too because it's got it's got a lot of dilfs. It's got a lot of moody lighting. It's like I what I thought Twin Peaks would be, but <laughs> <laughs> turns out I also don't like this either. Teen Peaks. But yeah, that's what I thought when I saw the football scene.
0: I just, I liked how Miss Callender and Giles have this sort of, like, old versus new, England versus the colonies, uh, Mm -hmm. yin and yang Mm -hmm. type Mm of thing. Mm -hmm.
1: He's a little bit country. She's a little bit rock and roll. And by country, I mean old country.
0: (laughs) He's a little bit old country. (laughs) That's good. That's real good. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so we end up at the uh, the Corpse Boy's underground lair, which I fucking love. This set, the set is fun. Like it looks like a comic book villain evil lair. They've got big glowing green lights and yellow tubs of radioactive waste. It's very mm. Batman and Robin. I do love a goo scene. Yeah, I love a goo scene. More goo. <laughs> But <laughs> you know what this stage needs? More goo. I'm tired of this goo-less existence. <laughs> and and like the only way that they justify this amazing setting, which is perfect for evil, is yeah. They're in the old science lab. Yeah. The what? Like what? Is this part of school? Is it part of a business? Is it an after-school program? I, it's old. Why is the waste still there? <laughs> yeah, this scene
1: had some real like Phantom of the Opera, Frankenstein, Weird Science, all
0: all of that stuff mixed together. Mm-hmm. Xander sliding on a gurney through fire yeah. with like that yeah. Joel Schumacher Batman soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I really enjoyed it. That was a lot of fun. So they save Cordelia. They save Cordelia and Daryl dives into the fire to die. This is sad, but a little levity uh, when it comes to Daryl. Some interesting facts about him. His name is Ingo Newhouse, and he grew up right here in Austin, Texas. Yeehaw! Yeehaw! And was a part of Esther's Follies. Oh my gosh, look at that. Esther's Follies is like a comedy show that's been around since the 70s, and they have like a big theater on Dirty Six, I think. I've actually never seen Esther's Follies, but it's it's nice. Little size home. And he's also Mac on True Blood, so he's got a vampire thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's dead. And then Miss Calendar asks for a second date. It was cute. I wonder what stunning accessories she'll bring to this one. The sky is the limit with her. Like, there are no <laughs> rules, no boundaries, no belt too large.
1: <laughs> yes, and then we have that wonderful scene between Xander and Cordelia, where he just just misses the mark.
0: I just, I love that you immediately called a Xander Cordelia will-they-won't-they they thing in your prediction last episode, yes. and it has, it has come to fruition immediately. i love to be right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to see where that goes,
1: but also the last scene between Mr. Tan <laughs> and Mr. Tan Ireland <laughs> and Miss Buffy... I thought it was <laughs> thought it was silly, but I also thought I would have felt the stakes of it if I were younger.
0: Yeah, I, I think it was a nice little bookend, started with Angel, ended with Angel. But I feel like in this episode, the Angel stuff really kind of just seems tacked on. Like, yeah. the episode could have lost all of the Angel stuff and it would not have suffered, in my opinion. Uh, you mean you didn't want to see the tan jacket?
1: <laughs> I mean... I loved it.
0: <laughs> I I think the, the Angel-Buffy relationship gets handled a little better later. Like here, I think they're trying to do too much.
1: It also feels like very quick because in the last episode, we just had like Buffy and Angel have like their awkward moment in her bedroom. And then they like, you know, obviously save the Scooby gang, but then they go from that to like immediately talking about like these feelings like there wasn't like any padding in between
0: right exactly like they went from having kissed once to her finding out he's a vampire to her being really mean and now they're they're talking as though they've had an established relationship for quite some time
1: yeah or like they've established their feelings for each other right
0: right yeah
1: they have a lot of barriers you know
0: star-crossed lovers except without the cross because that makes angel uncomfortable
1: Shall we rate it? Yeah, let's rate it. I'll give this medium stakes.
0: I kind of give this a low stakes, now that we're using our harsher judging criteria. Okay, I was trying to be nice. I didn't like it that much. This is not my favorite
1: episode. When I was watching it, I was like, oh, dang, because last episode was so strong, I thought it would be of that caliber. Mm Mm-hmm. It was fine. I mean, it had cute moments, but I definitely didn't, like, keep my attention in the way, like, the last episode did.
0: Yeah, and they've they've done the Cordelia as a damsel in distress thing before Yeah, in yeah. Out of Mind, Out of Sight. And I think they did it a little better in that episode. This just 100%. seems very tropey.
1: Yeah, it seems very tropey and, and menacing, as you mentioned yeah. earlier. I mean, I think the benefits of this episode are, obviously, Giles and Jenny loved that. Angel's tan jacket. Loved that.
0: An iconic fashion choice. An iconic.
1: Iconique. (laughs) That's really it. Like, the other stuff I could take or give. Like, leave, you know, I could take or give.
0: Yeah. So, bit of an uneven start to season two. That's okay. Still better than season one. That's true. And we got a cult story out of it. That's true. Fans. Send us your weirdest job experiences we would love to know, or your weirdest cult experiences.
1: I feel like people who listen are millennials or Gen Z, so
0: I, I, we've seen some shit. Mm-hmm. This is our second economic collapse, so we have done some weird jobs. We have, and we will continue.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. I hope that your, your days are full of tan jackets and your nights are full of angels. <laughs>
0: Yes, I, too, hope this. (laughs) Bye, y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening to another fantastic episode of Big Mistake.
1: Be sure to check out our socials at Big Mistake Pod on Twitter and Instagram to see all of the outfits discussed in each episode, Slayer name. If you have any messages for us, or if the apocalypse comes, beep us via social media or by email at bigmistake at gmail.com. That's B-I-G-M-I-S-S-S-T-A-K-E. Review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to absolutely make our day. Catch you at the bronze.